circle. Well, all right, we're going to dive right into this thing. I want to talk to you today about your focus, okay? Your focus. All right, everybody say focus. All right, your focus is vital. It's very important, all right? And you can see what people are generally focused on because what are they pursuing in life? What are they chasing, all right? And your focus can give you direction. Come on, your focus, your, your, your focus can take you to defeat or victory if you're focused on the wrong things or the right things, good or bad. Amen? So we're going to be based out of Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. Let me read that really quick. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Interesting. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endures such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. All right. What is he telling us there? We're in a race. All right. We're in a race. And essentially you would call this race a marathon because it doesn't end. And we run this race every day. Okay, and it's called life. You're running this race, and you're either doing two things. You're either living for God, and you're seeking after the things of God, all right, and you're trying to find your purpose and the will of God for your life, or you're living in the world, and you're chasing after things of the world to bring you happiness because that's all you know, all right? If you're not living for God, you're just trying to find what will make you happiness, what's going to give you some... And let me just throw this out there. If your focus is on the things of the world... To bring you joy, let me tell you, everything that the world can throw at you is only going to bring you happiness temporarily, all right? In other words, if you're, if, if, if you're looking to drugs to bring you happiness, okay, you're going to feel good for a little bit, but guess what? It's gone. And then what happens? You have to pursue it more. And then it leads from something mild. It may be prescription drugs, and before you know it, you're a meth head. Okay, it just grows. I'm just going to throw that out there and you'll be really <laughs> blunt about it. Same thing with alcohol. If you're chasing alcohol for happiness, you start small, you know, a little bit of alcohol makes you happy for a little while, it wears off, and eventually you need more alcohol, more alcohol, you need stronger alcohol. Okay, you see, the, you get the picture. Amen. So the point is, our focus needs to be on the things of God. Okay, it, it needs to be on the things of God. All right. And we talked about last week how you should set that godly standard before you, all right? And you need to set it to the moon. And don't let that standard drop no matter what happens. And you do everything within your strength and your power to shoot for that standard, all right? You may never live completely up to it, but you keep trying for the excellence that God has for us, amen? Because, see, that standard is dropping everywhere in this world today. If you just look at the sin that's going rampant inside our world right now, it's that standard's dropping. And it's up to us, the body of Christ, to hold that standard up and keep it held up. Amen. So let's talk about our race, all right, our marathon. And I think Tucker could, could, could attest to this because Tucker was on, he runs, he's on, on track. But when you're training to run, especially a marathon, you train pretty intensely, okay? And you train differently for a marathon than you do any other any other race, all right? But one key factor to all athletes' success, whether it be a runner or a swim, swimmer or gymnast, whatever it is, the one key factor to their success, and you see this when you watch the Olympics and they all come out there 
and they get in there, they're not looking around. They're looking at that finish line. They got their earbuds in, and they're only focusing on the prize that's at the end of that finish line. And that's where they're looking. And what are they doing? They're blocking out all the distractions around them because that's their focus. They see that prize, and they want that prize. All right? But that's the key factor to their success is their focus. What are they focused on? All right? So I have to ask you, and you ask yourself, where is your focus today? Where is it? Or better yet, what's most important? And just, you know, you don't have to answer. But I want you to seriously ask yourself this. Answer it to yourself because it's important. We have to know where our focus is. All right? Because that's what's going to steer you. All right? And think about it like this. I'll go in one step further. How many of you can tell me one goal you have for your life? You know, it's really sad how many people don't set any goals for their life. They just float around and live on, just live life and have whatever happens, happens, and we just deal with it. That's not how we live life. It's not how you should do it. That's not how your Christian walk should be. All right? And, and let me just ask this. If you do have a goal, can you keep that goal in focus? All right? Focus. Everybody say focus. It's very important. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, I passed on to you what was most important. All right? And what was that? Jesus Christ was what's most important. Most important. All right? And in, in, in verse 2, it tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Not just on Jesus, but the reality of the, of the death, the burial, the suffering, and the resurrection, and the power that came from the shed blood at the cross. Glory to God. You need, listen, somebody needing here needs to get a revelation of that. Because that was the ultimate price. And that's where that value that I tell you, you need to see in yourself. That's where it comes from. Because God sees the value in here. He sees you so important that he sent his only son to die. For you. Amen. Jesus was our example. He set the example. He laid it all on the line. And we can learn by his example and we can learn how to live as champions. Look what it says. In verse 2 it says, For the joy set before him. Watch this. There was a goal that would bring him great joy. All right? What was Jesus? What was happening here? Jesus was getting persecuted. He was getting beaten practically to death. All right? He knew he had to deal with this. But you see, his focus wasn't on what he was going through at that time. All right, his focus was on that finish line. And guess what? He saw that finish line as they beat him and they, and they cursed him and they spit on him and they, and they persecuted him. And he, all he could see was that finish line. And when he looked at that finish line, he could see the prize that was there. And his eyes stayed on that prize. And he kept pressing through. And he endured all of that pain and all of that suffering for that prize. And you know what the prize was? It was you and me. It was us. If you don't think you're valuable now, glory to God. Can you only imagine the price that he paid? He did all of that, endured all of that pain, all of that suffering, just to spend eternity with all of us. Glory to God. You're the prize. You bring him joy. You know, you may be thinking, I'm not worthy. You don't, Pastor, you don't know where I've been. Listen, he died for you. And when you turn to him and when you run from him, you fulfill his mission, okay? His purpose was complete, is complete. That's the joy. When you look to him and you rely on the power of the cross, I want to encourage you to start living in him today. If your focus is not on the things of God, I want you to start making some life changes. Start pressing in. Start being intentional. You know, I told you since the beginning, there's the, your Christian walk, there's going to be a little work involved. I wish we could just say, no, you know, we just 
say a prayer and it all magically happens. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to make yourself put a little effort into this. Okay? So, and remember this. Where your focus is, it's a simply a choice. Okay? You choose what to focus on. All right? So essentially, whatever you're magnifying in your life, that's where your focus is. If you're magnifying the problem, okay, if you're magnifying the things of the world, that's where your focus is. Maybe you need to do a little redirecting. Maybe you need to steer and get some things back in line. Amen? So today I want to talk with you about nine steps to help you stay focused on God. Nine steps, and these are very important. Some of them are going to seem very obvious, but you'll be surprised. All right, so we're going to start this with number one. If you're not taking notes, then I know you don't love Jesus, and that's okay, but I'll pray for you tonight. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) We do have a podcast. (laughs) But number one, begin the day with God. All right, that sounds so simple. And listen, I know not everybody just hops up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Some of you do, and you're just all happy and perky, and I hate you, and that's okay. You know, I'm not a morning person. I don't really hate you, okay. But I'm not really a morning person, but some of you are. And I understand that. But listen, I want you to start, when you wake up, whether it be early in the morning or whenever it is, start training your mind before you put your feet on that floor, before you start drifting into what you got to do today, what's undone from yesterday, where you need to go, what you need to do. All of that, start training your mind to think on God and praying and talking with God first. Amen? First, train your mind. And this is where I'm talking about. It's going to take some being intentional. Push yourself. Push yourself. Okay? Remember, if you're going to stay focused on God, you've got to include the things of God, and you've got to start it out first thing. Now, look, you figure out how that works into your schedule. And listen, once you train yourself to do this, all right, when you train yourself to do this, it becomes easier. And then the hunger and, and, and the desire, because you create a desire for God. Remember we talked about this a a, a while back about how you create a desire? It doesn't just happen. You create a desire by putting it before you, putting it before you, putting it before you. You can do that with food. You can do that with anything. The more you put it before you, the more you're going to desire it. It's a choice, okay? Well, the more you do this, the more you intentionally push yourself to focus and talk and pray to God, the easier it comes. And then you create a desire for God, all right? And then, and, and then you want to spend time with him. Now you're doing it in the morning, and then you're doing it at night before you go into bed, and you're doing it on your drive when you've got to commute to work, and you're spending time with him as much as possible. And it's because you desire him, because you want him. And it's very, 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 very important. So, now, John fifteen four says, Abide in me, all right? And I want to point out one thing that I love about this verse. Actually, 15, 1 through 11 and that is this, the word abide is used. This is one teaching, all right? And Jesus uses this word 10 times, 10 times from verses 1 to 11. Now, the rule of thumb is if you see a word over a couple of times within a, t- a teaching, uh, that means it's pretty important. Well, 10 times would tell me that that word is very important, okay? It's very, very important. So simple fact is it, we need to be abiding in Jesus. So in staying focused, on Jesus requires you abiding in him. And look, I know, I know your mornings are crazy. Okay, I have seven teenagers now and finally getting some peace and they're moving out and 
All that good stuff. No, I'm just kidding. I'm glad that you guys are home. <laughs> but listen, you can push yourself. Discipline yourself to spend the first few minutes in the Word of God and praying. And listen, you don't even have to say, sometimes you say pray and people are like, I don't know how to pray. Well, look, talk to your Heavenly Father. That's, listen, we overcomplicate church. Listen, I told you, we're going to be real with you. We're going to make this as simple as possible. Just talk to him. Just talk to him what's on your heart and just talk to him. This is how you're going to have a greater focus on him throughout the rest of the day. All right? And listen, if you don't know where to start, just start with John 15, 1 through 11 and read that every morning for two weeks and pray and talk to God. Just start there and then he'll start coming into your life. He'll start leading you to something else. Start showing you some other scripture to go to. All right? Just take a step. Take a step. All right. Number two. And this should be seem kind of obvious, but we're going to put it out there. And that's prayer. All right? Prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. Listen, this is a habit that is well worth developing, okay? This is your, your, your communication with God, okay? And it's not hard. Here again, it's not hard. You don't know how to do it? When you hear a news story that just, that, 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 just, that just bothers you and you're just like troubled by it, instead of feeding on it and just meditating on the whole situation, trying to figure out what happened, who died, this, that, and the other, no, you're feeding your spirit all those negative things. Stop that. Instead, when, it, when you hear it and it's bothering you, simply pray. Pray for those involved. That's simple. Pray. Pray for those involved. Or let me put it this way. When you come across somebody at work, and they're just really annoying you. And they're just kind of a pain in the butt. And they're just on your nerves. And, you know, you just kind of want to knock their teeth out, you know. You know, don't do that. Remember, we talked about the godly example we need to set. So nobody do that. But simply pray. Pray that God will knock their teeth out. No, no don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Oh, please don't do that. I'll come get you out of jail. That's okay. All right. Now, listen. Now, jokes aside, but listen. When you hear somebody facing a problem, simply pray. Pray for them. Listen, that's the importance of what we have here, the community we have in our church, why our church is so important. Because, listen, you should not be going through anything alone. That's what we're here for. All right? We need to be here, and we're going to encourage you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to stand on faith with you, and we're going to be with you because it's going to be you, Jesus, and us, and we're going to ride this thing out. And, when you, and eventually, you're going to get to victory. You're going to get through. You may be going through a tough season. Remember, we talked about seasons. And when you go through a season, remember, God can be testing you to prepare you for the next step for the perfect will of God for your life. All right? So sometimes you've got to go through a bumpy road. Sometimes God's testing you. Sometimes it's the, sometimes the devil's putting some things against you. Sometimes it's just the simple fact that we live in a fallen world and it's life and we don't have all the answers to it. But understand this. We do know because Scripture clearly tells us that Jesus Christ will be us. Through, we be with you through it all. And you've got to have that confidence and that faith in him. Amen. Look, and let me just put this out there. For all you King James specialists out there. God doesn't want your long-winded, eloquent prayers. Austin got that. <laughs> he doesn't want all the these and thous. Look, that's okay. That's okay. But listen, he just wants your heart. See, your heart. You have to have a heart. All right, let me put it this way. You have to have a revelation 
of what was done for you. That's why I said somebody needs to get that revelation today. Because he wants your heart. He wants you to understand the value that he saw in you to send his son to die and be beaten practically to death for you. And he wants you to have so much compassion and love your heart. That's what he's wanting. He wants you to come to him in prayer or in worship and just just close your eyes and don't worry about what's going on around you. And just take that time and spend it intimately with him and just thanking him. Thanking him because he gave you life. If you choose him, he gave you life in eternity with him. Glory to God. Nothing's greater. You will never receive any greater gift on this earth. I don't care how many millions of dollars somebody drops in your banking account. It's not going to be any greater than life in eternity with Jesus Christ. It's not. And you need to get that revelation. And it needs to get in your heart. And that's all he wants. That's all he wants. He wants your heart right. He wants to know. He wants you to talk to him. He wants that relationship. Okay? He wants that relationship. You know, we've been talking about that relationship. And you're like, some of you are probably like, Pastor, you talk about the relationship all the time. I'll never stop. That relationship is so vitally important. Because, listen, you will never step into the perfect will of God for your life if you do not have that relationship with Jesus Christ. You understand? You, without that relationship, you don't know when he's leading you. You don't know where, you, you don't understand his voice. You don't know, you don't know where he, what, what step he's preparing you to take. So the relationship is very important, all right? And it starts with prayer. All right, number three, serving, serving, serving God. Matthew 6, 24 tells us, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other, all right? And you guys are awesome at serving. But listen, if you're serving God with everything you got, your money, your time, your effort, your skills, your gifts, your talents. If you're all in and you're serving God with that, what are you doing? You're putting yourself and your focus on the things of God. And then your focus staying on God just simply comes naturally. All right? If you're, if, if you're out here serving the world, then your focus is on the things of the world. Then you're serving, I mean, focusing on God is that much more difficult and not going to happen. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Now, number four, and this seems so obvious, but I guess until Jesus comes back, we'll still be talking about this. Remove sin from your life, okay? Remove sin from your life. In verse one, it said, since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. Look, if there's something... Someone, a family member, anything, anything in your life, anything, let me say that again now, anything that keeps you from spending time with God or spending time in His Word or spending time at church or spending time at your point group or spending time at Wednesday Night Dive or anything in your life that is continually pulling you into the things of the world, there's only one option. Remove it. And that's so harsh to say, but remove it. Listen, last week I shared the story about how I, when, uh, when I married Muffin here, that we, uh, we, uh, I was walking away from, a, from a, a bad situation in my life. I had made a decision in my life that I, it was, I was living a bad lifestyle. And it, I mean, that's just no easy way to put it other than I was living a bad lifestyle. And I decided I was done. 
I turned my focus from the things of the world to the things of Christ, and I did it. I made that choice. I removed everything that was dragging me down from my life, and I let it go. And I'm going to tell you, it was the hardest thing I ever did because I left behind friends that I grew up as a toddler with. Left them behind, those that were still alive. It was a bad situation. Bad situation. And it was not easy. But I removed it. Now listen, there was always temptations to go back. And this is the dangers of trying to straddle that fence. you got to walk away from it. Because had I gone back to my buds, which I wanted to, what would have happened? I would have got sucked back into it. All right? Now this is where you find the clean balance. You know, we talk about a balance. Everything's got a balance. We talked about last week how you don't just avoid the secular world. Yes, we do. Because everybody, we do, we do go into the world and try to change it, of course. All right? You're all called within your realm of influence to be an example for Christ and to spread the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. So, remove it. Because let me tell you something. Staying focused on God, all right, or growing spiritually, or working towards your Christian walk. Remember I told you there's going to be work with your Christian walk. That's okay. We're not lazy. We want to put in a little extra work. That's fine. But doing that with habitual sin in your life is impossible. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. And let me say that again. F- being focused on God, growing spiritually, or, 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 or growing in your Christian walk with habitual sin in your life, is impo- it's not going to happen. Listen, you can do that for a while. And you see this in a lot with people that hop churches. Okay? And that, not the only reason people hop churches, but this is one we see a lot. And, and they'll go and they'll become a part of a church and they'll be there for a year or so. And eventually that sin will come to the surface. And that sin will come with the surface. And, 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 in, and instead of that person to, dealing with that sin in their life and, 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 uh, and, and allowing the new, their church family to love them and to encourage them and to pray for them and be with them through the whole situation, they, they run away from it. And then they hop to another church on the other side of town. Well, I can go here for a little while longer. And then and they keep keeping that sin pushed to the back. Listen, don't be ashamed of any sin or anything that anybody in here has ever gone through or is going through. Because that is just the devil talking to you, trying to keep you beat back. Listen, he doesn't want you walking out the perfect will of God for your life. Because when you get there, you're defeating him. So he wants to keep you pressed back and keep you pressed down. Amen. So, don't be ashamed. We've all been through it and probably done that and much more. It's okay. If you have a problem with anything, you come see me. Nobody in Compass Church needs to go through anything alone. I don't mean you've got to get up here and blab your business. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But make an effort to change. All right. Remove the sin. Let me just put it... <laughs> I wrote in my side notes, it says, kill the sin before it kills you. Mm. <laughs> but that's simply true. Spiritually or physically, the sin will kill you. If you keep it in your life and you keep chasing after it, eventually it's going to get you. Amen. So, number five. And this one's kind of interesting. Divided interests. All right, divided interests. James 4, 8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. All right, that's when your flame starts to go out, okay? When you have, when you have divided interests, and most, this is something that a lot of people deal with, okay? 
What happens when you have divided interests is you neglect your time with God. All right? And basically, divided interests is when the things of the world become more important than the things of God. So you're divided. All right? Your focus needs to be on the things of God and knowing that His love and His happiness and His joy is going to come from Him. And everything that you need, that you want, and you desire to make you happy is going to come from Him. You don't need to go run around the world and try to make things happen. All right? You've got to get everything in the right perspective. And, and we see this, and I'll go one step forward. We see this a lot in the churches. And I'll tell you a story. I had a, we were in a church in, in Oklahoma, and the, the, there was a lady there. She'd been there probably about six years, and, and nice lady. And, and, you know, she got into a financial situation. Whatever reason, she, got, she was in a bad situation. And listen, if you've never been in a financial situation, it stinks. All right? It stinks, and you will see a side of people that you never knew existed. You'll see anger. You'll see emotions. And you'll be like, whoa, because when you get pressed down and you got nothing else to give, all right, it gets tough. Well, that was kind of her situation. We prayed for her, and we were believing for She needed a miracle. It's just plain and simple. She needed a miracle. Well, this went on for, for quite some time, a couple months, and, and, and her focus went from seeking after the things of God to only praying for her miracle. All right? So don't let that happen. So every time, everything out of her voice was about, she needs this miracle. She needs this miracle. She, needs, she lost her focus. Because, see, she was chasing the provision instead of chasing the provider. Right. Amen? See, when you chase the provider, you get the blessings that come with him. Amen? Remember, that relationship is so important. That's why your relationship is so important. All right. And God wants that relationship with you. He wants you to have that revelation to understand the price that was paid for you. And he wants your heart. We can't just treat him like an ATM. Prayer in, get an answer. And you know, unfortunately, people, most people, not everybody, but most of the time, the only time they come to Christ or come to God or come to church is when they're, they're falling. They're in a need. They're in a need. And that's what the church is for. And that's okay. But at some point, you have to grow spiritually and you have to mature enough to where you can stand on your own, stand on the promises of God. But then again, you have to know the promises of God. So you've got to be spending time in the word. All right. So you see that. Understand there's a process. And know that God's word says, develop the relationship and everything else is yours. I paraphrase that. But that's essentially what it says. All right. Number six. Now, guys, you're probably going to throw some rocks at me on this one, but I do see this mostly myself included in this one. Don't allow hobbies to become distractions. All right? And it happens. It happens a lot. All right? And listen, there's, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with hobbies. I have my hobbies. And, and God knows your heart, and he wants you to be happy. But when you neglect time with God for your hobby or your interest, that's when it's, it's out of line. It's out of line, okay? I had a friend of mine I used to work with, and he's a really good guy, and recently, he went, at that time, he had just got married, two children, and, and, but he loved to fish. He, that was his thing. He loved to fish, and he and I fished some, and, and um, he constantly fished, and he was really good. And long story short, he ended up getting a, a, getting a sponsorship, going, going semi-pro, and he ended up traveling all over the United States. And, I mean, you know, when you fish, fishing tournaments, you know, you fish on the weekends. So he's gone. He works during the week, gone all weekend. And long story short, his wife was at home with two babies. 
And this went on for about three years. Well, she was done. She was done. So essentially, because his focus became on his hobby, and I know this is an extreme circumstance, but he lost his family through the whole situation. He was out of church. He wasn't being the spiritual leader of his family, taking his family to church, and, and, and allowing God to work in his life or anything. All of that got pushed aside because of his hobby and his interest. Amen. So look, having a boat, not, that's not a sin. A motorcycle's not a sin. If you play golf, what? it's not about that. It's about allowing that to come into play and causing you to neglect your time with your heavenly father. All right? Very, very important. Listen, and this is why I tell you all the time, you need to know what's happening around you. A lot of times you need to do. You need to stop and you need to look at yourself and say, hey, what's happening in my life? Because when you do that, then you can, you, you can see, oh, wait a minute, I'm spending too much time over here and not enough time over here. All right? That's why you've got to be aware of what's happening in your life at all times. You should. Listen, we don't float around on a cloud in this world. Or you can. It's not going to be a very happy existence. All right? And listen, whenever, if you ever see that a hobby or an interest is starting to take control, you do whatever it takes. And you, you put it in its place. All right? Number seven, limit distractions. All right, limit distractions. Mark 4.19 says, And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. Look, people don't just wake up every morning and say, I think I'll be distracted today. That doesn't, that's, it does, that doesn't happen. Distractions come for various reasons. Either the enemy's trying to stop you from spending time with God or you're just absolutely not spending any time with God because you are distracted on something else, all right? But that's when they come. To keep you from spending time with your heavenly father. And I tell everybody, you hear me say this a lot. You got to keep yourself stirred up so you won't be distracted by the things of the world. And somebody asked me the other day, they said, what does it mean? You say that all the time, keeping yourself stirred up. Well, stirred up is essentially urging yourself to do something. I think the, the definition is like insight to action or something. But stirring yourself, pushing yourself, shaking yourself. All right, making yourself do. You want to stir up that given gift? Go buy somebody's lunch and see how God will bless you. Stir those gifts up on the inside. You've got to be intentional about yourself. This is why I tell you, look at yourself. See how you need to adjust yourself. You may need to take some adjustments. We all do, always. All right, don't come complacent just where you are and just expect to live that way the rest of your life. Constantly be learning learning and seeing how you need to adjust so you can be a better person for the kingdom of God. But in order to do that, you've got to be willing to look at yourself and see which way I need to make some adjustments. All right. So keep yourself stirred up. All right. And look, essentially, as far as distractions go, it's very simple. You just, you've got to be able to just say, what do I have to do to see the power of God in my life? And, you know, that means if that distraction is, is pulling you from the, from the things of God, weigh it out. How important is it to you? Either you balance it in or you get rid of it. Remove it. Remove it. You don't want anything in your life that's going to pull you away from the things of God. All right? Number eight. And I love this one because I've done this one many times. Don't look back. Okay? Don't look back. Now, I don't know this particular story, but I remember a pastor telling this story once. And uh, and, it, and it applies here so, so good. And, and he talks about when he went into college and he was a runner. 
kind of like Tucker here. And he was a good runner, really good runner. And he went to his first meet, first college meet. All right, so he's nervous, and and you know he sees what he's got to do, and and you know he they line up, and and they fire the gun, and he's gone, and he's fast, and he's in front of everybody, and he's like, wow, you know, and then he starts thinking, you know, about midways. Well, what happened? Did I fall start? Is something wrong? You know, and he's like, you know, what's going on here? And 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 he took his focus off that finish line, and for just a second, he did this to see where everybody was, and when he did, he tripped and fell. Did you ever seen anybody do that, Tucker? <laughs> look, don't look back. It can cost you the race. All right? You're running this race every day in your life. All right? Know that everything you need is in front of you. Nothing you need is behind you. All right? And understand, if you've made the decision to believe God for the best in every area of your life, you've got to stay focused on what's ahead. Okay? No looking back. No looking back. Everybody say, no looking back. All right? Don't look at what you gave up to be where you are. Don't look at what you did to be where you are. None of that matters. Look forward. Keep your eyes focused on God. Don't look back. Let the past go. Let it go. Let it go. And keep your eyes on the finish line. Now you know why you don't want me singing. All right, number nine. Last but not least, don't waste your potential. Now, I tell you guys, week after week, you have potential. Why do I say that? It's because God shows me things about people. He shows me things about, and, and good things. And, and, and so I see the potential that God has. Some of you are going to have businesses. Some of you are going to step into the top notch of your career and be the best that you can be. You know, understand, God wants all of his people growing and expanding. Because, you see, you're called to be an example for the kingdom of God within your realm of influence, Okay. Well, listen, if he grows you up into something bigger, look at how much more influence you have. Amen? So keep that in mind. You know, a lot of people don't tap into their full potential. And I can't help but think about athletes, all right? And there's a lot of them you see this happen to. And the first one that comes to my mind is Johnny Manziel. He was a fabulous quarterback in college football. And, and he, he could have been, the one, in my opinion, the greatest. He was unbelievable. You know, and I don't know how many times Alabama had to play him in order to beat him, but they finally did. But, <laughs> but Johnny Manziel, when he, he got so good, and, but his focus was on the things of the world, and he went pro early, left college, went pro for the money. His focus was on the money. His focus was on the girls. His focus was on the partying. And once he got the millions of dollars, I mean, it was all over the news. Johnny Manziel spends $200,000 for a party, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, he's, in, he's in, in and out of trouble. Never really made it to anything, amounted to anything in the pros, and he had the potential. But he never. I think now he's in the Canadian Football League. And all this happened in just a matter of about four or five years. I mean... He lost his focus. He lost his focus. All right? He had the potential, but he lost it. Some of you have the potential, and you're just not tapping into it. Now, it's not my place to, 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 to push you into anything. It's a, that's, that's where that relationship with Christ comes in. You know, when God wants you to step into it and feels like you're ready to step into it, he's going to lead you into it. Now, he does show me that you, the potential in a lot of you. That's why I encourage you to do some things. I will encourage you to do some things. And you may not see that yourself see yourself able to do those things, but I know you can. And listen, if you ever don't want to do anything that I'm trying to urge you to do, it's okay. You won't hurt my feelings at all. I'm just trying to help you. 
Just trying to help you, okay? And listen, there's a lot. Of, we see wasted potential, and and you see it in in the body of Christ. All right, let me just throw that one out there. There's been a lot of pastors building mega mega ministries, and they lose their focus, and then they fall into some type of sin. All right, not good. So I mean, we're all we all can lose our focus, and we all can fall. All right, but I want you to know. Everybody in this room and everybody in this building, you have the potential. You have the potential to be a gold medalist for the kingdom of God. Okay? For the kingdom of God. And that's what we're called to do. All right? But listen, think about the Olympians when they train. I mean, they train day after day after day after day. Year after year after year. Why? Because they are so focused on that prize at the end of that finish line. All right? But we can do that same thing if we keep that tenacity and keep that focus on what we're called to do. Amen. Don't allow any distractions to come in and pull you away from the things of God. All right? Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In other words, we look to him as our example. He was our prime example. And that's who we got to stay focused on and don't take your eyes off of him. All right? Your focus is very, very important. All right? There's so many people, especially in today's time, that I'll give you just an example. They desire a relationship. They desire a marriage. That's where their focus is. And they try to go make it happen because they're looking for somebody to complete them. But how many of you know, you don't look for somebody to complete you. Listen, you be who you are. You know who you are in Christ. And you, are, and you keep your focus on Christ and allow him to complete you. Amen. Very, very important. I see so many people make this mistake. So many people. And not just that. People make the same mistake as, mistakes all the time. That's why I tell you that your focus will give direction. You're going to follow after whatever you're focused on. All right? So keep Christ focused keep him center in your life all right and if you don't really have a revelation for what that he has done for you meditate on it think about it read about it study about it because listen you were so valuable i tell you all the time you got to see that value and you got to be able to willing and bold I, i tell people christians need to get arrogant and conceited about the things of god because that was such an amazing price, such a valuable price. I mean, we're, we're are priceless. We are priceless. And we need to be confident and arrogant and bold about it and bold about the things of God so that when we go out into our city, into the streets, into the world, we can make the difference. Too often we're too timid. You know, we're too timid. We don't want to upset anybody. We don't want to offend everybody. Now listen, there's a balance to that also. You don't want to go out there knocking people's teeth out. Remember, pray to God to do that. Amen? <laughs> well, I hope you got something out of that. Let's, let us pray real quick here as we close out. Father, I just thank you for this day, and I thank you for everybody that came in the house, Lord. And, and Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the glory, and I thank you for the wonderful weekend that it's been. I thank you for Roy coming out and everybody coming in to to uh, to play, Lord, and and thank you for the safe travels for everybody that came in. And Father, I pray most, and I pray most that that everybody got the revelation. Those that needed the revelation of 
the price that was ultimately paid for them. I pray that they got it. They got it deep in their spirit and deep in their heart. And I, I pray that you, that you lit a fire in them that, 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 that creates a desire and a hunger for you. And Father, that they will do nothing, nothing short but chase after you. Chase after you. And keep their focus only on you. Keep you in front of them. Keep you before them. And Father, before we go, I want to say a quick quick prayer. If, with every head bowed and all eyes closed, I'm just going to ask really quick if there's anybody here that doesn't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just simply raise your hand. You don't have to come down front, but I do want to talk with you after service if that's you. All right, glory to God. Just like we're all family. I don't want to throw this out there also. Listen, if you've, if you've backslid a little bit and maybe you need some prayer, if you need prayer for anything, I want you to uh, come see me after service. Come see me after service. Because, you know, I, I said it earlier, we don't want anybody going through anything alone. And glory to God. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Father, we just thank you. Lord, and we pray for safe travels for everybody going home. Lord, and we just give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.